Um, just if you didn't know, uh, there's uh, Brave Hearts 2 happening as well. And so uh, few, nothing should change with us. Maybe a handful of men wind up going in the afternoon, Brave Hearts. So uh, Monday afternoons, Jr. and let's see, Michael Garcia. He's unable to come in the mornings, but Jr. Michael Garcia and uh, Caleb Brown are leading the Brave Hearts 2 Monday nights at uh, 6.30. And just a heads up. On that one, you will not have near the teaching that you have on Tuesday morning. Okay? Just kidding. But uh, um, uh, uh, the second thing is, it is here, it's at these tables, and it will have the same big idea, the same scripture. They get my notes, and they're able to adjust those notes accordingly to their life and the testimony that they give through the witness of the scriptures. So uh, it, it, they have everything. So we're in declarative prayer, starting a declarative prayer series this morning. So just so you know, if you come to the Monday night, you'll get the, the same declarative prayer part one and, uh, or part two, just exactly where we are. So just a heads up there, just want to make you aware if you have friends that have to be at work. We have several from this church that have to be at work at 7, 6.30 in the morning. This gives them the opportunity now to uh, attend Brave Hearts on Monday night. Some of them we get here and leave at 7, and you guys all know that and what that looked like. Plus, we're outgrowing the tables that we've purchased. We do have one vacant table, and uh, um, some use it and some don't. You don't like tables. <laughs> you got your back row Baptist going on over there, and uh, that's okay. That's all right. You know, we're... we're uh, Everyone is, is different. You know, I'm really not a small group guy. Uh, anytime I go to a conference or something, they break us up and put us into small groups. I go, ah, are you kidding? Just tell me, and I'll take notes and go home and read them, maybe, right? But, uh, but the other thing I've learned is that by kind of going into small groups, I have the opportunity to go deeper, get to know our table, get to know who we are, and that's what we're trying to do. So just heads up, if you didn't know, which you probably didn't, um, Bravehearts Monday night, 6.30. A lot of things happen up here on Monday nights. There's a woman's study that happens here. That We also have the recovery ministry that happens back here, and Bravehearts will happen in here on Monday nights. All of those kick off at 6.30. Let's jump in, all right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 is where we're going to be this morning. Pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these men this morning. Father, I thank you that you woke them up, that you awakened them this morning, Father, so that heaven could come to earth through them this morning, Father. And Father, I pray that you would awaken each one of our spirits, each, each one of our minds, our ears would be open, our hearts would be ready to receive so that your kingdom would invade our lives, invade our hearts, invade who we are. Lord, teach us to pray, God. You didn't say uh, when, if you pray. You say when you pray. Pray then like this. And so, Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to be men of prayer. Lord, we love you and we bless you. It's in your name we do pray. Amen. You know, years ago, Alice and I lived in Arnie, Texas. Now, if you don't know where Arnie, Texas is, it's midway between um, Umbarger and Nazareth. So it's in the great metropolis. And uh, we, I was actually the mayor out at Arnie. I love to say this. You probably heard me say it before. I was the mayor. There were only two people that voted. It was a split vote. 
but since I, I was the husband in the relationship, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's the way it went. And so I claimed to be mayor, mayor of Arnie. But while we lived out there, Allison worked in Demet. I worked over in Happy, and we both arrived home usually in the afternoon about the same time. We lived in an old house that was built in 1925. It had a dirt basement. A storm was rolling in one evening right when we got home. Lightning was hitting everywhere, and um, we were listening to the radio, both of us coming in, and they were talking about how the, the storms were going to become severe and everything else. We turned on the TV, and as we turned on the TV, there was a weather alert that came on, and it said these words. And I told Alice, you don't have anything to worry about. I mean, really, a tornado, if it were to come, would have to designate our house to hit it. It, it would... It would have to be like the United States military. It, it, you just have to dial it in. We're, we're in the middle of nowhere. The odds of, it, of anything coming around are, are slim to none. And normally uh, that's true. But as we turned on the TV and started watching, this is what we heard. If you live in Arne, Texas, take shelter immediately. A confirmed tornado has touched down. And we ran to the dirt basement. The old house had a dirt basement. And uh, we ran in the dirt basement, which we never went into because there were spiders and there were, we were always concerned about snakes. We never saw any snakes down there, but uh, we just didn't go in this basement. But we ran down in the, in the basement and she told me, she said, Curtis, you got to go get Susie. And Susie was our German shepherd. She was out on the front porch. So I run back up and I let Susie in. She comes down in the basement with us. And when we get down to the basement, uh, it's just hailing like crazy. It's just a roar on the house. You know what that sounds like. And so uh, I told Allison, said, look, uh, she said, what are we going to do? I said, hey, we'll be fine as long as it's windy, as long as it's hailing, as long as it's raining. You know, I've been through this a couple of times in my life. And usually everything shuts off before the tornado hits and, and nothing's shutting off. No sooner did I say that. And it shut off. And it sounded like a train. And so <laughs> Allison actually hyperventilated. And uh, she fell down on her knees, and she couldn't get her breath, so I took my hands and cupped them and put them over her, her mouth like this, you know, this is what you're supposed to do if someone hyperventilates, and, and uh, held on to her, and I began to pray, and I started praying, Lord Jesus, you take this tornado out of here, you, you clean this up, you spare us, God, we have ministry to do in the name of Jesus, and we just became, I mean, I had to learn on my knees what declarative prayer looked like. Years before, I had done the same with my parents. My parents were going through a trial in their marriage, and I remember finding myself on my knees as a 13-year-old boy saying, Lord Jesus, I need you to fix this. I want you to come in mightily and do something. And if you will, I committed my way to the Lord. As a matter of fact, I said, Lord, I will serve you all the days of my life. Now, you're not supposed to throw a fleece out there, but a 13-year-old boy doesn't know that. And so I remember uh, just praying over my parents and, and praying that, that something would happen, that they would be healed, and they were healed. And I'm standing before you today of a commitment I made at 13 years old. He just never let me out of it. I tried, but he didn't. He said, no, you, you remember that night. And so I do. See, there are times that, that what we have to do is we have to find ourselves on our knees in order to stop the locomotion. And many times we find ourselves on the feet on our feet in order to stop the locomotion. Locomotion, that means that that is motion that is loco, all right? That's some of my Spanish coming out, JR, okay? We need to learn to pray on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it's interesting to me that when Jesus teaches this prayer, he says, hey, your kingdom come, your will be done. So when we pray, we pray for his kingdom in situations. It's what 
it should look like for each of us today. Some view prayer as a mechanism to get God to meet our needs. Sometimes we simply pray a list. Uh, if you go into my office at home, you'll see I have a prayer board up, and, and it's um, a couple of your names are on there, and obviously I haven't been praying hard enough. Just kidding. Come on, guys, wake up. Right? God is not moved by need. I want you to hear me. God is not moved by need. So many times we find ourselves on our knees praying for a need to be met, and it's not wrong because God does have answers to prayers that I believe are never given because are never, they're never asked for. That's very important for us to get. However, God is not moved by needs. You know how I know this? Matthew chapter 18. He tells us that we're supposed to have faith as what? A child. Um, children belong to the Lord. There's no doubt there was an age of accountability in Scripture, and, and that, that stuff happens, and that's where confirmation classes were born and birthed out of, 12 to 13. Jesus is found in the temple, and you can go back and read that. The whole reason why I share that with you today is that children belong to the Lord. And if that's the case, then why are there children starving around the world today if God is moved by need? Do you hear me? God is not moved by need. He is moved through faith. Faith is the currency that moves God. And that's why he says we pray for his kingdom. In his kingdom, children don't starve. He has called us to participate and be participators in his kingdom. He didn't have to, but, but he's done this. He has chosen for his kingdom to expand around the world, around the globe, through us. Because he loves us, and we should love him to that extent. You know, prayer is sometimes more of a last resort after all other efforts have failed. Have you ever heard anyone say, well, all I can do is pray? <laughs> Careful with that statement. I hear that a lot. I know I've said it in the past as well. All we can do now is just pray. You see somebody on their deathbed, and, and you think, uh, man, the doctors say, hey, it's just a matter of time. All we can do is pray. Well, prayer has risen the dead. And so, so be careful with words like that. Sometimes we find ourselves only praying when, when we're in a bind, when we're, when we're uh, pressed into a place where there's no other place but to find our needs. And instead of being punchers, we become counterpunchers. Oh, yeah, there is a God of the heavens, and I need to call upon him because I'm in a mess. I don't know how God's going to get us out of this one. Look, here's the thing. The domain of darkness, the church... Oftentimes, to the domain of darkness looks like a bunch of confused, defeated beggars. And it's not who we are. We are called to be victorious. We are not victims. We are victors in Christ. And so as you look at this, um, we are called to execute the will of the kingdom and put it on display. Think about that statement for, for just a moment. We are called... We are called to execute the will of the kingdom and put it on display. Jesus says not to hide our lamp under a bushel, but to do what? It's like a, like a city built upon a hill that our, our light, that others should witness it. When has someone witnessed your prayer? 
When has someone witnessed the kingdom of God come through you? Now, that doesn't mean that we become the bullhorn preacher. I like to mention the bullhorn preacher every now and then. Sometimes there's a need for bullhorn preachers. I believe God's called some people definitely to go to the street corner and preach the gospel and see people come to Jesus. I've, I've known people who have really been impacted that way. There's one in Canyon, and, and, and I've shared this before, but years ago, uh, Allison, maybe three or four years ago, he was standing on the corner, and he had his big bullhorn, had it turned up, and man, he was just preaching everyone straight to hell, and doing a good job of it, and so I pull up there, and the light turns red, and I'm so thankful, and I'm like, oh, golly, and I mean, he's right there by Allison's window, and she's just kind of sinking down, so I just rolled her window down, (laughs) and the guy's just letting her have it, and I said, hey, here she is, tell her to repent, you know, all this, anyway. I don't believe that's how we display the kingdom. For some, maybe their calling is that way. For you, it may be you are more quiet, you're more reserved. But look, the kingdom of God is wanting and looking to be expressed through you. And that means we have to stay connected. And we stay connected, of course, the the vine and the branches. We stay connected through Jesus, asking his name. But we don't need to look like a bunch of defeated beggars, confused about even how to pray. Jesus teaches us how to pray, and the first one of the first things he says is you pray heaven to earth. You pray, his, you pray for his kingdom into this earth. So many of us right now are looking to Washington for a paycheck. Is anybody here that's furloughed? You know why they're not here? Because they slept in this morning. They're like, I'm not going to worry. I see you. I don't get paid. Anyway, but too many of us look to Washington to get us out of messes, Right? And, and Psalm 121, you can go re- read it, but you'll find out that our help comes from the Lord. Heaven is not going to invade because Donald Trump decides to, to sign something or not sign something. Look, Washington's not going to save us. Chris Vallotton, if you know who he is, he's written several books and different things. But he says prayer is the catalyst for worldwide transformation. It incites the angels. It restrains the darkness. It releases the nations into their destiny. Golly, it releases the nations into their destiny. There's a story about, about when this country was formed and George Washington was in battle. And a woman who actually was more, she was from Britain, and she actually wrote this in her diary that uh, she came down to the river and Washington's army had invaded the whole area and she happened to be watching and she saw George Washington himself early one morning and he was haggard they had been of course in the winter and um, were having to kill horses and eat horses and actually sleep in horses because it was so cold they would they would literally gut them and and move into them at night just for enough warmth and she said but one morning she saw him actually at the river knelt down and praying to his God. And she said, I knew at that time we would be defeated. See, prayer, just as Chris Valentine says, nations are, are oftentimes formed and oftentimes find their destinies because men will pray. It's the catalyst to get things moving, the answer for our city, the region, the nation, the kingdom to come. If you want God to move on your behalf, ask him. Ask him. What is God's ultimate will for us on this planet earth? That his kingdom would invade the earth through us. Through us. On earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 
Let's look at this again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this prayer is not used to incite the favor of God for our favorite football team or a recipe to manipulate God. Jesus was doing something so powerful, so provocative, it has been misrepresented through the ages. To understand the magnitude of Jesus' statement here, remember the, the Cold War, back when the tensions were so high between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Imagine if Ronald Reagan had taken an American flag that, uh, and, and gone over an Air Force One, went to Moscow right in front of the Capitol, took the flag, and went out and staked it in the ground and said, this, this land belongs to the United States of America. What if he had done that? Well, that's what we do when we pray for God's kingdom and his will to be done. We are staking this ground as holy ground. It's declarative. We're declaring on earth as it is in heaven. After the church was born, Peter and John, they were doing signs and wonders, kingdom invading. Uh, they turned Jerusalem upside down. They were thrown into jail. Then they were released. You remember while they were, they were in jail, they had a handful of things happen. From jail, they came running back to their friends. They had a prayer meeting. That's the first thing they did when they got out. In Acts chapter 4, 25 through 31, you can write it down. I've got to move quickly this morning. We've got a lot to cover. Who, through the mouth of our, favorite, of, of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And what he's doing here is he's quoting David, declaring that Jesus is king, that God has a plan and a purpose, and these people are missing it. And in verse 27, he goes on to say, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Now, this is Peter, and he's praying. And Peter's saying, Lord, now look. Look upon the threats that are around us. Look at, look at all these accusations towards us. And then he goes on to say, but let your servants continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. See, when you speak with boldness, what happens is you're, you're making a declaration. I, I've never known anyone who went into a fight, who went into a fight and, spake, and spoke very timidly. Well, Mike Tyson. He just sounded a little bit timid, but he was going to kill somebody. You know, he was tough. But, but, but here's the truth. The, the, the truth is, is that they are praying and saying, let the Holy Spirit invade us so that his kingdom can invade the earth through our prayer. It's a, it's a prayer meeting. It's a prayer meeting where an earthquake happened. It was so powerful. Those are fun to be in. When's the last time you sat in a prayer meeting like that? And you may say, well, Curtis, I'm not that charismatic. I'm not crazy-matic. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about charismatic prayer. I'm just saying a prayer of faith, a prayer of boldness, a prayer that invades wherever they are. Now, some of you may be more charismatic than others. I'm not talking about charismatic. I love to be in charismatic. I'll, I'll sit down and pray. 
I'll get on my knees and pray. I'll, I'll sometimes make a declaration. The other morning, Alice and I both got up and, made, and started making declarations, right? Just declarative prayer that his kingdom would invade our household and protect our household. That this land is to be holy land, holy ground. Here's some that just got out of jail and they prayed for more boldness. For more signs and wonders. Now notice who they give the credit to as far as signs and wonders. This is the danger in prayer. If someone has the gift of healing, for instance, and uh, maybe it just manifests at a certain time, they lay hands on someone and they're healed, what does that have the potential to do, men? Create followers of man. Let's just be honest. I remember uh, years ago, I was uh, working the Texas Rodeo Bible Camp, and uh, I was down on one end, I was releasing calves, and we had the arena split in half, and so the calf ropers were down with me, and uh, they were just going out and roping calves, and then on the other side of the arena, they were um, working with kids who were going to learn to ride bulls, and so there was a little 20-year-old 20, 20 young man there, very, very small in stature and everything, probably didn't weigh 120 pounds, soaking wet. He came out on a, on a bull just to show them what it looked like, and this was not... A, a small, you know, 1,400-pound bull, 1,200-pound bull. This thing was a 2,000-pound. I mean, this thing was huge. And he comes out, and he's riding this bull. And for whatever reason, this bull just kicks all legs up and comes and goes over and just smashes that boy right on the turf. And as I was, uh, I, I, I was watching it, you know, I was sitting on, on top of the chute. And so I jumped off the chute and ran across and jumped over the fence, kept running out there. And, and by the time I'd got to him, of course, the clowns had got the bull out of the pen and he was just laying there on his back. And then he started convulsing real hard and then he just, he just lost all life. And I, I knelt down beside him. As a matter of fact, I, I, I first go to medic status and I yanked his boots off <laughs> and I propped his legs up. And I thought, you know, we're going to have to, I, I tried to get a pulse, and I thought, man, we're going to have to have to get this boy. And then the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, pray. And so I just grabbed his legs, and I just, I just held him like this, just his legs, and I bowed my head, and I began to pray, declaring that life would enter his body again. He had, he had uh, wet himself, defecated, he, he was done. And, and his father came out of the stands and ran out there and stood over him and started shaking him, saying, no, son, no, son, come on. And the ambulance had just left on another run. We were not supposed to be doing anything without an ambulance. I didn't realize it had left. And, and I, it was an intense moment. And I turned around, and there's three young men who are clowns. And I said, y'all, get on your knees, and you pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for this man. Get on your knees. And they were like, yes, sir. So even clowns bowed down and started making a declaration and in just just I don't know how long it was but in just a little while this this young man he took a gasp and I remember going oh thank you and his dad was just holding him by the head and just just praying with us and it was just that intense intense moment and and breath came back to him and we just held him, and he wasn't conscious, and another ambulance got there. They loaded him up, and the cool thing was the next day he was back out there. Now, he wasn't allowed to ride for like six weeks or anything else, but the next day he was back out there. And, you know, he went through everyone, and uh, we were actually leading worship when he showed back up, Allison and I, and he just came up there, and he just grabbed me, and he just held me and cried and cried and cried. And he said, thank you. I could see y'all. Thank you. And, and, and as I sat there, 
uh, I thought, man, how dangerous is this? Because now this young man for the next two or three days was where? Right here. We're not praying for followers. We're praying to point to Jesus and follow him. There was no power in my prayer other than, other than me simply committing to the Lord what belonged to him anyway. We keep ourselves in places where we can hear from Jesus in order for heaven to invade the earth through us. But it should always point people to Christ. Always. Never should it point people to us. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. But the time that we have, we've got to make it worthwhile. On earth as it is in heaven. The prayer of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is the perfect prayer because it's his will. It's, his will is not mysterious. And when we pray like 1 John 5, 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. That's 1 John 5, 14 and 15, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will. Now, sometimes my kids ask for something that is not in my will. You ever have somebody do that? I mean, wait, well, like, Dad, you know, uh, my car's got 300,000 miles on it, and the door, I think, is starting to fall off. Can we look at, a, at, at another car? No, you're 16. You get a job. You start paying insurance on this car. We'll look for another car. Jim, I'll call you, okay? But, but here's the thing. Here, here's the thing, right? It's, it's not in my will. And this is why we got to stay in communication with our Father to know what His will is. I shared that story one time about the, the kid and the bull, and a woman came to me and said, you know, my boy didn't get up. He was in a car wreck. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for him, but it didn't happen. So why did he listen to you and not listen to me? And I don't have an answer for that. Maybe His will, right? We, we just live in life, and, and none of us live the same amount of days. If we do, it's miraculous. But, but I, can't, I can't explain that. I just know we have to listen to the Father to know how to bring his kingdom to this earth. And this is what John's talking about here. He said, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Perfect prayer of his will. Let your kingdom come. You are releasing the peace and order of his kingdom. Now think of that, about that for just a minute. Because God's kingdom is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? Come on, church. Some of you men have been with me long enough to know. In the Holy Spirit, right? So Romans 14, the kingdom of God is this, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so if that's the case, when we pray for his kingdom to come, we are releasing, releasing righteousness, peace, and joy into the situation. And I don't know of anyone who is standing around you who would not want peace in the situation that they're in. Anytime you offer prayer, whether it be on the phone, whether it be in the hospital, whether it be in the church, whether it be in someone's car, you are releasing the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy of all things in the Holy Spirit, wherever you are. So when your marriage is struggling, sometimes it's great to pray simply this, God, let your kingdom come. When your finances are taking a hit, Jesus, hear me. May your kingdom come. When disease attacks, Lord, let your kingdom come. That the power of the reality of heaven invade into this situation. 
See, that's just putting us on mission with Jesus. Go to your prayer closet. We'll talk more about that in the next four weeks. When we pray that way, whatever can be shaken will be shaken. And darkness flees and watch, order comes. See, with peace is order. You know, someone that has a peaceful life has an ordered life. Those two go hand in hand because it's it's who God is. So when we pray that way, whatever can be shaken will be shaken and darkness flees, order comes on earth as it is in heaven. So I would encourage us men as we embark on this study, come and, and, and listen to Jesus teach us how to pray. Listen to his word teach us how to pray. Uh, you won't have if you don't ask. I had a professor in, in college and I'll end with this, but uh, at Duke there that really explained this well. He said, Prayer is interesting because the Lord really has set before you blessings and cursings. And, and sometimes we choose to walk in the cursing because we walk in our flesh. And we don't even ask for the blessing. And we have these boxes that are somewhat over us and we have a key that we carry and, and we walk through life on this journey. Um, and, and for a time we'll be under this tile, under this box, and a blessing is there but we never ask for it. We don't think we're worthy. We don't think we should. We don't know that God will answer. Uh, and, and, and then as we continue to walk, here's another box or another tile. And what's above that? I know what's above that tile because I welded these brackets that are holding <laughs> these speakers right now. But, but then you walk under that, and, and, and what happens is we don't ask, so we don't have. So the kingdom doesn't invade our situation. The blessing is never opened up. Now, if we were to walk under these tiles, walk through life and say, Lord, this is, and we'll get to this about praying continuously, but as we pray continuously, boom, it's unlocked. We carry that key and the blessing falls out. The blessing is there. And we want to be men who walk under the blessing of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these men. As we go over our questions, may uh, we truly see how you teach us to pray in heaven on earth as it is in heaven father for your kingdom to invade our lives and to invade the lives around us for the season that we have in jesus name amen